I realized how much we owe to this land that holds us. I realized how much of our evolutionary path with pioneers and the gift of this life is supported by the trees and the land and the mountain and the sky people. And I felt like my sense of gratitude to the natural world grew through doing that ritual. Welcome to the Heart Leader Podcast. I'm Amber Mikesa. And I'm Austin Yule. We're here to invite you into a new era of leadership. Join us as we dive deep into stories of powerful transformation, unlocked through self-love, compassion, and insights on healing the body and soul by blending science and spiritual wisdom. Start leading from the heart today. Visit theheartleaderpodcast.com. Hello, amazing Sweetberry community. I am Amber, your host of the Heart Leader Podcast. And today I am joined by Nina Simons. This amazing spark of light is such a heart leader in our community. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, but I am so eager to dive into this conversation because she's going to share a wealth of knowledge around how to lead a life of love from the heart. But let me tell you a little bit about her so you know who we're going to be talking with. This individual is a co-founder of an organization, a nonprofit organization called Bioneers. She's not only into creating amazing organizations that focus on our planet and the people within it, but she's also an award-winning author. And we're going to talk about one of the wonderful books that she has right now. It is called Nature, Culture, and the Sacred. It's A Woman Listens for Leadership. This book has so much to offer, not just for women, but it has like this breadth of information. And she's going to tell us a little bit more about that. She has this passion around really creating a culture of inclusion and diversity. She has helped women. She has helped multiple cultures and really focuses on the diversity aspect around how we may have different ways up a mountain, but really at the base of it, we are all the same. And we all, like we say, speak the language of love. So she's going to share a little bit more about that. So Nina, thank you for being here. I know I didn't even get to touch on the fact that you are a winner and a recipient of something called the Goy Peace Award. And we're not going to touch on that because again, people can see the link, but you have done so much that even the globe is saying, thank you for all you've done for our world, for our society. And I can't thank you enough for being here. Oh, Amber, thank you. It's really an honor and a joy to be with you and your listeners. I'm so grateful for what Suivera is doing because it so deeply aligns with everything I believe in. So it's a joy to be with you. I want to talk about Bioneers, which is an organization that I've only recently learned about, but you've done so much for our planet already. (laughs) And so I want to make certain that other individuals who might be like me, you've like been steadily 
helping to change our world for a while now. And it's like you are this organization that has silently, but shouldn't maybe silently be doing so much (laughs) for us. So let's share. Sure. Well, Bioneers, um, to be fair, I co-founded with my husband and partner, Kenny Osibel, and we started it in 1990. And we started it in response to the earliest alarms about climate change, because we both were deeply committed to nature. And we knew that this was something people needed to know more about. But what really inspired Kenny to start Bioneers, and this is a funny story, Amber, so worth sharing, was that we had started, he had started a company that was a biodiversity seed company called Seeds of Change. And in the course of running that company and growing that company together, um, he was doing all this research on bioremediation, which is uh, the art of uh, detoxifying air and soil and water through natural systems. And he was also just learning about how do we grapple with the environmental challenges that we're increasingly facing. And what he found was that there were amazing innovators from all walks of life who had incredible solutions to many of our most challenging both social and ecological challenges. And one day he was in a hot tub with a friend and he was bemoaning to his friend that all these people he was discovering were out there doing great work, but nobody had ever heard of them. And the friend said, why don't you have a conference? And Kenny said, well, I've never been to a conference. It sounds boring. Why would I do that? And the friend said, here's a grant for $10,000, go have a conference. And Kenny came to me because I had a background in theater and I had also never been to a conference. And he said, will you help me produce this thing? And together we dreamed up what we thought was the best way to share an amazing array of visionary and practical solutions for restoring the earth and human communities because really our perspective, and he named it Bioneers, which is short for biological pioneers, people looking to nature to heal nature and recognizing that as humans, as a species on this planet, we are a part of, not apart from nature, that you can't address the ecological problems without addressing the social and cultural ones. And so Bioneers is this beautiful weave of people with innovative and practical solutions. And one of the things that I love about it is that it has always presented a very diverse array of perspectives and people, but also it has an indigenous worldview at its heart. So it's really informed by the wisdom and the culture and the worldview of native peoples. Um, because like you, we live in the Southwest and we are deeply connected to and influenced by those cultures. And so it's a great gift actually to have been able to learn from this amazing array. And actually, I should say a little bit more because we started out as a conference in 1990. We moved the conference to the Bay Area in 93, I think because we outgrew all the facilities in in Santa Fe, New Mexico. 
And over the years, especially in the last 20 years, we've really developed Bioneers into a media company so that Bioneers has amazing podcasts that you can get anywhere you get your podcasts. And they win international awards every year. And we've been so busy doing the work that we just haven't done a whole lot of promotion, which is why when I heard you say silently, I thought, ooh, if we haven't been silent. We've been putting it out and putting it out. But it's a great, you know, it's a great resource. We sometimes call it a natural antidepressant because it's amazing people. And the mainstream media tends to cover the bad news, but not the good news. Yes. And I think, you know, that's another reason that Bioneers exists is to help lift up a vision of a future that we can all aspire to. And that helps fuel and feed our hearts for the hard work of getting there. That's exactly it. And silently may have been maybe not the correct because your voices are there. But in many ways, it does get silenced by all of the other discussion points. Like, look at all of this that's happening in the world. Focus on what's over here. I mean, you know, we just had the elections, right? This is what we're talking about. And not all of, hey, we have some progress and we are discussing solutions. Let's focus on what we're doing over here. Yes. All of that campaign funding, beautiful gift if you look at it in that way, but some of it could have gone into solving what we're doing. And so when we talk about the silent voices, it's not as though you're not speaking up. It's right. just you're not getting the reception that you could be getting if we were focused more if that negative brain bias wasn't so focused on feeding itself and we were looking at, hey, there are ways that we could do something. Yes. Well, and as we were saying to each other just a few minutes ago, that that part of our work now is to connect our networks. And I'm so excited to encounter Suivera because really we are all doing aligned work and we have very aligned visions. And I think in order to help move the vision forward, we need to kind of come together and overcome this culture of divisiveness yes. and recognize, as you say, that love is what binds us. You know, blood is what binds us. This home community of earth is what binds us and connects us. And we are all interconnected. And really, we have much more power than we tend to um, recognize. And also, as you're saying, Amber, the interesting challenge now is to remember to focus our attention on what's being born, because we're in this time of breakdown and breakthrough. And the breakdown is so noisy and so distracting and wants our attention so badly. But meanwhile, there are movements that have been percolating and working for decades and decades that are actually gaining some ground. And we need to focus our love and our attention there because that's what will empower it to grow faster and better. Yes. And that's one of the things, again, that we were talking about before we began recording. You've been part of that movement for decades and decades that's been laying that beautiful foundation so that we could birth what is occurring 
And when you talked about the ancient wisdoms and that you're focused on what the indigenous had known and you're building upon that platform, can you dive a bit more into that? Because that's speaking my language in many ways. We have in so many ways moved away from for too long these wisdoms that understood how interconnected everything is. Yeah. And now we're in almost a crisis time where if we don't return to that wisdom, it could be the make or break point. And so I would love to hear your perspective, especially since you're taking something as when you think about it, engineering and some of the things I saw and read in Bioneers and how you're talking about, yes, we need science and we need these things, but not at the expense of, but in integration with the wisdoms and the traditions. And that I think is strength in itself. So can you talk a bit about that? Well, sure, Amber. I mean, I've learned so much um, by being mentored by amazing Native elders. And one of the first things that comes to mind uh, in relation to heart leadership is that Ilarion Merkuliev, who's a beautiful elder Native leader from uh, the Unangan Islands, which are also known as the Aleutian Islands. And he says, you know, the biggest distance, and many Native leaders say this, the biggest distance that humanity has to overcome is the distance between head and heart. And really, we humans are designed to lead from our hearts and not from our heads. And what a massive body of work that is to shift from leading from the head to the heart. And what a tremendous culture change it will precipitate. One of the examples that I love to cite, and I talk about this in the book, was that in 1992, we had a panel of Native leaders talking about the 500-year anniversary of Columbus, quote, discovering this land. And I heard a man from Acoma Pueblo, uh, which is a Pueblo in New Mexico that experienced some of the most violent harms um, from colonization. And this man, who was a governor of that Pueblo, said, 500 years ago, you came and we welcomed you with open arms. If you came again today, we would do the same. And Amber, I just felt my heart break open. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have so much to learn from these people. That's an amazing, and he said it with such deep gravitas and sincerity, you know. So, I mean, that's one kind of example. Um, there are so many examples that I can offer. And I think part of what I love about Bioneers is that it's a whole system perspective. So it looks at both the interchanges we need to make within ourselves and what are the actions we need to take. And so when you look at the value of native wisdom to our entire human species on this planet at this time, what I would suggest is that from my perspective, we are at a crisis point. It's not nearly a crisis point. We're past many benchmarks of 
climate change, and there are uh, changes that we can't turn back. But in addition to the deep native uh, practice and knowing that all life is sacred and that everything is in reciprocal relationship, so you don't harvest berries from a bush without asking its permission, without praying to it, without expressing your gratitude, and without being mindful of how much it's okay to take so that there will be some for the next season and the next picker. That's, you know, one of the bases of a traditional worldview, but also there are incredibly practical applications that are often referred to as traditional ecological wisdom. And those are things like Native peoples have had practices of burning forests at certain times, in certain ways, so that they would ensure the health of the forest. And because of how much they understood about the value of fire to a forest, you know, they would do it in ways that didn't destroy the whole forest or the whole ecosystem, but that rather enhanced its fertility. And I believe we are living in a time right now where we need to do everything we can to regenerate our natural systems, including the natural system of ourselves, which of course harkens back to um, strengthening our hearts for leadership. So I think that they are among the most important voices and perspectives and leaders in this time. And it's also worth noting that at this moment, when the largest corporations in the world are struggling to continue extracting oil and gas and minerals from the earth in ways that are not only uh, not sustainable, but are very actively destructive, the places they are most targeting are the places where native peoples live and where native peoples are protecting 80% of the world's remaining biodiversity. So that's kind of the, you know, the leverage point of the struggle to protect life right now is native peoples. And it's no accident that Standing Rock happened and that water protectors are mobilizing all over the world and water defenders. And um, because they see all life as sacred as we all must because it's our lives ultimately and our, those of our children that we're really seeking to protect and defend, as well as the children of all species. That was a bit long, but it was, it was a good question. <laughs> it's so necessary. Yeah. And this is, again, it goes back to what's being silenced and yeah. for what reason. Yeah. And I know because I've heard so many people will fall on the side because it's, it's not easy to talk about it, right? It's scary. It can be to look at. Mm -hmm. It's uncomfortable to consider, well, I have to give up my comforts, but that's not what's really being asked. Will it be different? Yes. Will it be less comfort? No, it'll be different comfort. Yeah. And that's what I feel when someone explores what you have to offer can be discovered mm -hmm. as they research and as they come to understand 
Because fear comes from lack of understanding. Yes. And so if we take the time to educate ourselves, Mm. then fear begins to dissipate and love and connection can begin to replace it. And what you're offering is that opportunity. And I am so grateful. And I know I was almost Mm. in tears before the call and I'm (laughs) almost in tears again because it is in such a way that it connects. But as far as pioneers, how could someone, if they're listening to this on one of the podcast platforms, find out more about pioneers and listen to some of the wonderful podcasts and explore some of the amazing educational resources that you have available so they can reduce fear and understand that there are little things that they can begin to implement in their daily lives that aren't going to They'll make a huge impact on the planet, but won't necessarily like take them away from enjoying their everyday world. Everyone can access everything at Bioneers at Bioneers.org. And we have a very comprehensive program that includes indigeneity. And there are these beautiful conversations called indigeneity conversations that you can find and lots of videos and lots to read and sign up for the newsletter. I think as you say, Amber, it's so much about revealing the vision of the world that's possible now, if only we can assemble the political will to bring it forth. And knowing about the world that's possible and the people that are doing amazing stuff and that we can all be joining with or learning about at least helps, you know, helps us gain power and help strengthen our hearts for, again, how to invest in the world we want to co-create rather than just being distracted by the bad news and the manipulation that's going on out there, the fear-mongering that's so dangerous and so unnecessary. Whether we like it or not, where we spend our money is showing where we place our energy. And our values. And our values so much. And so if we can redirect that even to understanding where is our food ethically sourced, all of these things matter. And all of those things are available on your site. Yep. And begin to (laughs) understand and dive into that. And it takes no more time to understand that type of thing than it does to go for the other foods simply just takes a little research. And so that's what we're encouraging here. Well, and in this time when our major institutional systems are breaking down, I mean, I don't know about you, but I certainly find myself a little less trusting of conventional mainstream medicine these days. And I want to educate myself about herbs, about acupuncture, about other traditional forms of health and what we eat certainly contributes to our health, you know, and I think, I think also what this brings up for me, Amber, is that there is a kind of false dichotomy that's been set up between self and service. And I kind of want to speak to that just for a moment. Please. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Which is, you know, what I found is that when I care for myself, the more I can learn to love myself, the more it generates my capacity to be a loving participant in the community of life or the communities of life 
that I'm a part of. And, you know, I think like many of us, perhaps, I was raised with the idea that service was good and focusing on myself in any way was not good, was narcissistic or bad or selfish. And I think that's partly a female thing, but it's also partly probably um, for those of us who feel called to help others. You know, there is a tremendous pull right now to be of service to the world. And there's also a cycle that we have to break. And that cycle is a cycle of burnout, where in the nonprofit world, in the activist world, in many of our worlds, we're giving and caregiving, for heaven's sake. We're giving without replenishing ourselves. And, you know, I think that that's one of many cultural biases that we've had instilled in us that we can change. And we can change them by choosing to change them and by creating rituals to remind ourselves. But but really, I think we are in a marathon here. And in order to do this marathon well, we've got to be caring for ourselves along the way and loving ourselves. You know, not just physically caring for ourselves, but actually healing some of the self-harming patterns that we may have culturally adopted without ever intending to. You know, we all have those self-judgments, and they're not necessarily helpful. You know, being discerning is one thing, but judging ourselves, not so sure it's useful in cultivating ourselves to be the best version of ourselves we can be in this life, which certainly is what turns me on. I love that, and I could not agree more. Are these some things, because what we find a lot in our community is individuals will understand the concept like, yes, I can't give love if I don't know how to love myself because you can't give something that you don't have, right? Then the next question is, okay, then how? How do I begin to connect with that love within? How do I begin to start removing the first brick, the second brick that blocks me from that love because it is culturally something that has been with me for a very long time or societally has been given to me. Like body image is something that a lot of my clients come to me with because, you know, they grew up being told this is the way you should look. And again, that comes through culture, but also through society. So Is that something that your amazing book that we were talking about (laughs) earlier, is that something that's available, like tips and little things that can help individuals begin to break down those constructs and remove those bricks they can find within there? Absolutely. And I can offer a few examples, um, Amber, that might be helpful. You know, what happened for me, first of all, what you're talking about, I associate with leadership and leading from the heart, right? So for about 20 years, I convened groups of women in gatherings called Cultivating Women's Leadership. And at the same time, of course, I was convening Bioneers and studying leaders who we convened at Bioneers, which is over 150 leaders each year, typically. And at one point, when I turned 40, I was acknowledged for my leadership and by a magazine. 
I really didn't like it. I thought, ooh, I'm not sure I want that label, and I'm not sure that I deserve it, and I certainly don't like it, and it feels like it paints a target on my back. So I had all those reactions, and at the same time, Amber, I knew from Bioneers that what the Earth needs from all of us right now is leadership, each in our own way, in our own form, no prescribed one-size-fits-all recipe. But I knew that we all are called to be leaders who are alive on Earth at this time. And so I started an inquiry about how we are reinventing leadership. And I read through hundreds of transcripts of leaders from Bioneers. And I selected those that most inspired me. And I then looked through them for patterns. And that was what created my first book, which was called Moonrise, The Power of Women Leading from the Heart. But as you say, it's not just about women. It has men in it as well. And what I saw was that, you know, all of the leaders that I most admired were leading from the heart. They were leading from an inner passion and not because someone had given them a graduate degree or a title or an inheritance. They were leading because they loved something and they loved it so much and considered it so sacred that they were willing to jump into the unknown to see how to protect or defend it. And those were the leaders that I said, oh, I want to be like that. So over the next years, after I did that book, um, or well, maybe during, I convened all these women leaders. And, uh, and it was an amazing way of growing myself. Because when I first started this work, I had all those cultural and societally informed beliefs, like I'm not smart enough, I'm not trained enough, I'm not skinny enough, I'm not, all those things. So I was working with other women facilitators who brought so much to the table, and together we would lead these seven-day deep dives into cultivating leadership. And what I found was that there was a transmission that I received actually from a Peruvian shaman. And uh, it informed all of my leadership self-cultivation and my work with the others. Um, and it's a very simple nine-word transmission and very beautiful. And he gave it to us in a year-long training that I was doing at the end of like an eight-hour ceremony. So it was something like four in the morning, three or four in the morning. And he said, if you remember only one thing from this experience, remember this. Consciousness creates matter. Language creates reality. Ritual creates relationship. And those three big ideas were what formed some of the infrastructure of our trainings and so what I learned to do, and this is very much, you know, the book contains embodied practices and discussion guides. And so I integrated a lot of my learning from those 20 years of trainings into the book so that anyone can refer to it to help get rid of old patterns, to help cultivate the parts of yourself that you want to grow into. And a couple of examples that I would offer since you mentioned body image, and it's so common for so many of us, yes. you know, 
I realized early on, Amber, that I had a habit that I would get out of the shower in the morning and I would look at myself in the mirror and all these self-judgment voices went off in my head about my butt or my hips or whatever it was. You know, you're too this and you're not enough of that. And I realized every day I am harming myself by doing that. I have to shift that pattern. And so what I did was I created a ritual. And this is an example of how easy it is to come up with a ritual. But the trick about rituals is you have to be really vigilant about doing them every day until you feel a change in yourself, which is often six to eight weeks in. So what I did was I made up a skin oil that was, you know, my favorite skin lubricant because I live in the desert with some essential oils that I love the scent of. And each morning when I got out of the shower, I created a ritual where I would oil my body with that scented oil. And as I did so, I would consciously pour love into my whole body and thank it for all the ways that it supports me and for all the ways that I value it. And, you know, six or eight weeks in, I had stopped judging my body. I would, you know, and, and I had a new way of relating to my body. And so that's from the rituals create relationship piece. And, you know, what I found is in terms of there's a beautiful ritual that I recommend doing in a circle with other people which we called compost and cauldron, but you can call it whatever you want. And it's a way of self-reflecting and doing it while being witnessed in community. And so what we would do is we sat in a circle and we would say, today I am composting my self-limiting belief that I'm too emotional. Phew! And everyone in the circle would witness you. And often, because we are all so connected, you know, when you compost something like that, you're doing it for everybody, not just for yourself. Yes. And, and what I'm putting in the cauldron or what I'm cultivating is how good I felt yesterday when I heard somebody acknowledge a gift they saw in me that I had never recognized before. I'm going to cultivate that and put that into the cauldron. And, you know, we don't practice self-appreciation much. We're very adept at self-judgment. But yeah. self-appreciation is a whole other thing. So, you know, there are all kinds of ways with writing exercises, with spoken exercises, and with rituals you can create yourself to help shed those things. Because I found, as a woman... I had a boatload of them within me. And really, the more I learn, Amber, it's not just women. We all have these things. And, you know, there's, there's all this toxic masculinity that we need to recover from. And I believe we all have masculine and feminine within us. And, of course, the way I want to be and the way I'm cultivating myself towards is to be someone who has that full spectrum of masculine and feminine, embodied and heart and mind and spirit, all available to me at any given time. And I call that full spectrum leadership. And that's, that's who I hope to become in this lifetime. We'll see. I'm still working on it. But, you know, it's a good thing. 
And, and it's great. I think of it as peeling back layers of an onion skin. And it's often shocking to realize how deep the onion skin goes. When you start to say, oh, I've got all this stuff inside me that I never consciously adopted, but it's deep within me nonetheless. And so if we're going to change our cultures and our world, we have to change ourselves first. Yes. There's so much in what you just said. It's like, (laughs) talk about peeling back an onion from, I have no doubt that as you were doing the ritual and the ceremony of putting on the oil, that your body started to respond to you as well. Like if you're giving it love, you know, our bodies are living organisms. So like it's a connection. And so to understand how your body responded as you're giving it love and honoring it through that ceremony every day, you know, the response it likely had to feeling that kind of love come from you instead of the negative judgment. Right. So to be able to, as individuals, feel that shift within ourselves to go from, oh, I'm not good enough to, oh, my body is feeling the love and therefore it's likely growing stronger. It's likely responding in kind. And then to go into a community and feel it like from within to then a community where you're doing the same. And so you're showing the community, I am showing you love because I'm connecting to you and I'm depending and trusting in you. And then I'm going to hold the same space for you to do the same. And so it goes from self to community and you're growing in that strength. And so it just shows how it repeats out and goes further. It's like that ripple effect that had to start with that self-confidence that you built from loving yourself enough to have the strength to go into a community, to then have the strength to recognize at that point, then we have the strength to understand what's happening to our planet. But if we don't first understand what's happening with ourselves, oftentimes it's very easy to overlook what's happening to our planet. It's so true. And, you know, there are two other things that actually your words um, spark in me. One is that what I feel like I've gotten from cultivating my own self-love over 20 years is a greater sense of agency and freedom. You know, I just don't feel like I am nearly as prone to being buffeted by the winds of the world. And I have a deeper sense of connection for me with what I hold sacred, because I think love and the sacred are very closely related. And the other thing I was going to say is that a truly momentous tool in my own self-development has been um, a practice of mindfulness. And what I learned from a wonderful colleague named Deborah Eden Tull who wrote a book called Relational Mindfulness. And it's just beautiful work. And I think what hooked me into it, you know, I'd heard about meditation for years and years, never thought it was for me particularly. And then I heard Eden say, meditation is the subtlest form of self-love. And I went, ooh, 
I want to feel that. And I find it to be true. So I would heartily recommend that path to anyone listening. That's beautiful. How do you feel gratitude plays into heart leadership or a path for self-love? Well, (laughs) oh my gosh, there's so many ways I could go with that good question. I feel like we are all in a transition from a me culture to a we culture. And gratitude is essential to help inform that transition. And I would offer an example of what has changed me in the past year with respect to gratitude, which is that where I live in northern New Mexico, I live on the edge of very beautiful national forest. And our dogs get to walk us in the forest every day, which is an incredible gift. And uh, earlier this year, there was the largest wildfire in New Mexico's history. And it came close enough that it was actually about seven miles as the crow flies from our home. And yeah, and this is a home that we built on land that we love and cherish. And it was terrifying. You know, we had to have to-go bags packed. We had to try to figure out what we would have to do if we had to evacuate. So I reached out to a friend I knew who had studied with Peruvian shamans for a long time. And she was someone who I knew had protected her own home from a wildfire in Northern California years before. And so I reached out to her and I said, do you have any advice for anything that I can do to help protect our home? And she said, yes, I'll share a ritual with you. And she said, identify a tree that's somewhere on your property near your home that you resonate with and let that tree become your altar. And every few days, put flowers around the base of that tree and pour water around the base of that tree and sometimes offer it wine around the base of that tree. And while you do that, send prayers and gratitude through the tree. You're going to ask the tree to carry your gratitude, your prayers for forgiveness, and your prayers for protection up to the mountain nearby, up to the sky people above, and down through its roots into the underground. And I started doing that right away. And honest to goodness, I just, what happened was, for me, Amber, I realized how much we owe to this land that holds us. I realized how much of our evolutionary path with pioneers and the gift of this life is supported by the trees and the land and the mountain and the sky people. And I felt like my sense of gratitude to the natural world grew through doing that ritual. And it helped me deepen into what Native peoples have always known, which is we are in reciprocal, reverent relationship with all of life. So I think that gratitude and love and leadership and the sacred are all part of the same 
system. And they're all part of the medicine we need to heal from this crazy societal culture that we've inherited. We didn't make it, but we sure got infused by it. And now we get to help change it. And what an amazing blessing that is. Yes. Just in the nick of time. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Yes. It's like we've learned so much, even giving gratitude for the space that we're in. Right? Yeah. You're right. We didn't create it, but we have an opportunity to say we've learned enough from this. So how do we choose to change it? We don't have to keep doing it. All things are choice. So then how do we choose to change it? Well, and as you and Austin and the Suivera group community all knows, it's through love. How else are we going to change it? It's the most powerful force in the world. And really, you know, all those folks that are perpetuating false stories and violence and all that are doing it out of fear. And, and really, it's, we're going to have to prevail. I do believe that the arc of the moral universe bends toward justice. It just bends perhaps more slowly than we'd like. But we have to have faith, you know? And, you know, I think, I mean, as I listen to you and feel into this beautiful heart space that you have co-created, Amber and Austin, um, it really makes me aware that when I first realized how much I love nature. I thought, if I tell anyone that, they're going to think I'm crazy. And I was fearful of it. I thought, I have to hide this because it's so abnormal. And really, as I have grown myself into my own sense of calling and flourishing into who I believe my soul came here to become, it's given me a chance to really embrace that and say, Actually, what we love is what we hold most sacred. And so how can we not act on behalf of the sacred? And we all love different parts of it, you know. Some of us passionately adore our kids, and some of us are plant people, and we really love, you know, being healed by plants and learning from plants and serving the plants and, and animals and all that, you know. Um, it's an amazing moment when it's very funny because science keeps proving what Native people have always known to be true, right? That we are all talking to each other and singing to each other. You know, there's a, there's a marvelous YouTube video that listeners can check out that's called The Mycelium is Listening, and it features Paul Stamitz's voice describing how scientists have learned that the mycelium, which are the networks of root systems that mushrooms grow under the ground, mycelium actually respond to sound. And they respond especially to low-frequency sound, like the sound that our ancestors and native peoples make when they drum in ceremony. And so we're all talking to each other all the time. If only we can grow the ears and the embodied listening to be able to hear each other. Yes. It's part of the reason I chose to go into the scientific field after spending so much time in the spiritual one. 
is to help reconcile the fact that we're just, we're saying the same thing, just in different languages. Yes. And so how do we reconcile that? Instead of thinking we have to stand on opposite sides of the pole, we're not really. It's coexistence, not duality. We we just need to understand how. And so I love hearing that so much. You know, actually, if it's okay, Amber, I'd love to offer another resource for listeners. I would love that. We have oh, a few moments left. So the resources, how they can get a hold of your book. You can sure. see that here. And we have about five minutes left. So that would be great. Okay. Okay, super. My husband is also a filmmaker, and he has made a 10-part series that's amazing. And it's called Changing of the Gods. And it actually looks at how the history of social movements corresponds to the movement of the planets. And it's remarkable. And it will change your worldview, give you hope, and it's available online um, on many platforms, but if you go to changingofthegods.com, okay. you can either see it there, you can see the trailer there, and it'll tell you where the other platforms are available. And it's beautiful, and it features a lot of pioneers, as you might expect. And uh, folks can find my book on any place that books are sold, really, and it's available in Kindle and in audiobook and in paperback. And if you do see it, and you do buy it, read it, and you do respond to it, I would ask you the favor of doing a review on Amazon, because it will help spread the availability of the book. And the earlier book, Moonrise, The Power of Women Leading from the Heart, also available. And Bioneers, Bioneers.org, check it out. You can look for it in your podcasts. But also there's a remarkable newsletter that just comes out every two weeks. And if you go to the website, you can sign up for it. And you can also look up amazing indigeneity resources there that will really help flesh out and inspire um, your worldview to integrate those of our eldest relatives. Do you have a personal website? Oh, I do. Thank you. I forgot. I do. <laughs> I, I, I still don't really like this self-promotion stuff. I've been practicing humility for so long. Um, it's ninasimons.com. And you'll be able to find this and many other podcasts. And also, if I'm teaching or online events, you can find them there as well as at Bioneers. Wonderful. And your book will be available on your website as well. So it could be like a one-stop shop. Sure. <laughs> Wonderful. Certainly and at Bioneers. So easy all around. Yeah. Wonderful. And yes, we'll make it really easy for folks too. If they're driving and listening, all they have to do is hop over to the Heart Leader podcast page when they're done. And all of this will be listed in an index. So they can just check out all of your resources because you are a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. Well, Amber, it's been such a joy to be with you. Thank you. It's been such a joy to be with you. We have one closing question that we like okay. to ask everyone. Mm -hmm. Since you are such a heart leader and have been through your entire career, what, when you hear yourself called a heart leader, does it really kind of invoke or bring forward in you, because I know you are so humble. So to hear 
heart and then leader. Is it a different feeling? You know, it makes me want to cry with how, how hopeful it makes me feel that being a heart leader is what I hope everyone becomes. I hope it not only for the world, but for each person individually, because it has been such a source of joy and liberation and, and feeling like there's nothing better than living the life you feel you were born to bring. And, and that's what being a heart leader means to me. And so it makes me really hopeful for the world that the phrase heart leader is being more widely understood and more commonly adopted and used in many ways, thanks to you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for paving such an amazing path for individuals. There's no words that could really speak to the gratitude that I personally feel, but I know, I have no doubt that many others feel. From the moment I was connected with you, I my heart was giddy and my soul was just in honor. So thank you. Well, may we swim in the same streams further down the road. And thank you, Amber. And thank you, Austin. Thank you. Thank you, everyone listening. Yes. Thank you very much, amazing Suivera community, for all that you do for us. This has been the Heart Leader Podcast, where heart and mind align. We will be back next week with another wonderful episode. And don't forget, you can get our free resource. All you have to do is go over to the Heart Leader Podcast website, and you can click on the link for the free download. Until next time. We look forward to seeing you in the Suivera community. Thank you for listening to the Heart Leader Podcast. Are you ready to start leading from the heart? Visit theheartleaderpodcast.com to take our quiz and get your personalized roadmap for a happier and healthier life. Remember to follow the podcast so you never miss a new episode. And be sure to recommend it to your friends who might enjoy it with you. See you next week.